0: Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of the Bingham Group, and welcome to the BG Podcast. Our guest today is Courtney Santana, the CEO of the Survive to Thrive Foundation. Welcome to the show, Courtney.
1: Hi, AJ. Thank you for having me. Well,
0: One of our paths across, as we discussed uh, earlier this week, uh, several times over the years, and uh, we've been sitting in the same rooms pre-COVID, so definitely wanted to get you on the show just from to talk about some of the work you've been doing with the Foundation and I think I want to start with, for people who don't know about you or the Foundations, what, what, is, what, what is it about, Foundation.
1: Well, Survive to Thrive is an organization that was started to help displaced and victims of domestic violence and sexual assault that are experiencing homelessness as a result of their violence. Um, I'm a 21-year survivor of domestic violence, so this is a... A cause near and dear to my heart, and when I saw there was a need to help this community, we started building, and now we're here.
0: We talk about well, first I'm sure pull back and say, "How are you doing?" Just with this year, first just with the family. I mean, it's been interesting <laughs> to say the least for everyone. But uh, how are you? Doing? How are you?
1: I think I'm good. I honestly, it, it was quite an adjustment. But what's crazy is that we learned a lot about ourselves that we're able to turn on a dime because. And any other time, you know, I would have been like, well, what about this? What about that? It should do the planning of connection, the the, the value of connection, the value of network um, and making sure that um, you know, you know, how to be resilient in very uncertain times. Because I think that that was the biggest thing about the coronavirus and COVID was what do we do? Like, this is new, brand new and everybody's adjusting So. I think I'm doing good, all things considered. Been taking better care of myself because I know it's been difficult. <laughs> Thanks for asking.
0: I, no, I understand that. And then, you know, to backtrack too, I mean, how, I mean, how old is the foundation?
1: Um, we've been around. So I started in 2006, but we pivoted our business model in 2013, and then a little bit again in 2015. So I would say we're about seven years old in its newest form.
0: Mm-hmm. What, I mean, w- broadly just, I, I've heard some, you know, the, 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 the kind of the secondary ripples of the pandemic have had on households, particularly with domestic violence, right? Things that were always there, and even in non-COVID times, but because of, you know, you have folks in their homes more, and then the pressures, of everything else that goes, you know, that like goes in just a household powder keg. Um, right. The issues around domestic violence and sexual assault are, were increased um, during this time, and I mean, how has your group responded to that? I know we, you, you uh, I've just read some of the efforts you've done in the community, partnerships, but can you talk about that? And and really, just the impact, I mean, what are you seeing statistically in terms of, you know, a, unfortunately, a normal year versus a, this COVID's last year, 2020?
1: Yeah, so I'll, I'll go backwards in your in your um, questions because it makes sense. It will make sense in a second. Okay, so Survive the Thrive, when we started, we dealt with a displacement and homelessness issue for victims because nearly 42% of those who will go to the shelter here in Texas will get turned away. Mm. So that's pre COVID, right?
0: Why um, is that? Why? why, why? It's just overcapacity.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, there's just not enough beds for heads. And like you have ebbs and flows, there will be times when there's nobody in the shelter, and then there'll be times when there's a line around the door, um, line out the door, rather. Um, so just being able to. Um, connect people with resources during that time. Um, What we found, it went from 42% up to 90% according to the Texas Council on Family Violence. Um, That's astronomical. It's um, unheard of. And so we said, okay, how do we provide the services that we provide um, to our clients um, virtually and with the same level of care that we did before? Um, What we do for our clients is If they're turned away from a local shelter or law enforcement picks them up from a domestic violence call we will take them into local hotels um, and provide them food resources clothing um, and advocate support for their duration in the hotel and try to get them placed in either another shelter or in a permanent to semi permanent um, living situation so we came up like it was crazy all of a sudden we were needed because the hotels were empty and the shelters were full. So it's it just perfect marriage.
0: Yeah, and the partnership with hotels, that was that was a pre-COVID arrangement, right? Or, part, or partnership. And- Yes. Okay. Go ahead.
1: We had like four hotels. Um, and then, uh, because they didn't really want our population of people, they were like, you're gonna bring violent criminals to our hotel. I was like, that's not what it's like. But mm-hmm. I only had four hotels when we first started this. And we had four hotels for five years. And then COVID hit and the hospitality and tourism industry kind of tanked a bit. And they were like, come on, like well, now we want you guys and if we can figure out the liabilities and the damages and the risk concern and you're gonna address them, then we would love to have your population here. So now we went from four to now we have about 40.
0: Got it. Are, they, um, are those subsidized with grants or how do y'all uh, just work with your stakeholders? First yes, place.
1: sorry, I got to charge My phone is dying. Okay. Um, yes, so the city of Austin um, has helped us immensely. There was CARES Act funding that they gave out to several nonprofits to do COVID response. And we were one of those through the RISE funding through the city of Austin. Um, we also received money from St. David's Foundation and the United Way Austin Together Fund. And several other donors that came up and said, "Hey, we know this is a real problem, so we want to support you during this time." And now that their eyes are open to it was a problem before, um, we're hoping to keep those those channels and those networks activated from now
0: on. And especially going yeah. to 2021, I mean, obviously the the pandemic. There's hope on the horizon, I believe, but I think there's hope, hope there is hope on the horizon. The vaccine and other you know changes nationally, but still, those are ways off I think for folks who are in immediate need and, and what do you see going in 2021 with just serving again your your clients and, and stakeholders do you feel I mean it's pretty much just stay the course through the through this full year or how are y'all preparing uh or just preparing for 21
1: well and this goes back to what uh, the first part of your question earlier is People like even healthy relationships struggle during times of isolation and intense, like, you know, when we're all together. Um, statistically, like when there's layoffs or there's anything that keeps people isolated with each other, there there's strife. <laughs> so for a household that already had a violent, you know, environment for the children or for the adults in that home, it can get really, really bad. Um, as we figure out whether we're gonna come out of this. Um uh, the shelter-in-place is still in order to a very small extent but you know as we see these spikes now there's you know word that it's probably going to go back into place and we've got to make sure that this stays um, in place going into 2021 because with the vaccine we're not going to get it first it's going to be other communities like you know uh, nurses and doctors and front you know the frontline folks which they should mm-hmm. um, but until that is happening um, we really do need to keep uh, this network activated. I've been going to city council saying, "You guys, this is a real thing, and you it, it should be here, um, for now and forever." And fun fact, but not really, um, the domestic violence hotline says that COVID is now their number one reason for people to call the hotline right now.
0: Just, I mean, everything related. I mean, everything related to COVID. Just either, every, I mean, everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, unemployment, um, homelessness. Um, food insecurity, all of those things are connected to home, uh, to, to COVID right now. So people are experiencing domestic violence for different and new ways as well.
0: Mm. I should ask too, what what's the range, uh, I mean, how far, what's the, I guess, the service range for Survivor for Um,
1: We've been serving Austin and the five surrounding counties. Uh, we work with law enforcement, so we work a lot with Travis County and APD, Austin Police Department, we work with the local shelters like SAFE and, and Hope Alliance. And when we get referrals from the National Domestic Hotline, we can get people from anywhere. We've had people as far east as you know North Carolina and as far west as um, North and South Dakota. We've had a lot of folks. So it just depends where the calls are coming from, especially now that we're partnered with the hotline.
0: And what's the average day, do you think, of, of one of your clients just, uh, at the hotels? Pre- I mean, you think it's pre-COVID, during COVID? COVID during COVID might be more exasperated because just the nature of you need to, you still need to shelter in place. Even if right. you're away. you know, you get to leave your home, you still have to shelter someplace and for, you know, a defined period of time or not even
1: defined, right.
0: an undefined period of time.
1: Yeah, you just don't know. And honestly, um, because so resources, it's not just like everything is in sheltering under is, into this, you know, social distancing protocol and everything is under the, shelter-in-place order. So services from other nonprofits and other social service like, uh, agencies have slowed or stopped. So that is, again, extended the period that our clients are with us because our goal is to place them in a safe place. So it could be before COVID, it was probably anywhere between three days to two weeks. Now it's about two weeks to maybe 45 days. Oh. And like we have an, an extended um, program called Sanctuary Gardens for up to 90 days. So, it just depends on the level of complexity in that person's life. If they don't have anything, you know, there are, like, they don't even have a driver's license, it's gonna take longer to get them placed back into a normal environment, what's normal to them anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. You talk yeah, about the yeah. app, your app too. I know we uh, we talked about this last week just when we were catching up, but and that's really neat, just what you're all developed on that, that front.
1: Thank you. We, we think it's pretty cool. <laughs> well,
0: what, what goes into it? Yeah. Right? For the audience, what is uh, it about, about?
1: Sure, it's called Sanctuary, and we first developed it for shelters and law enforcement to have visibility into where there's available space. A lot of times law enforcement will drive around for hours and have just, you know, clients in their cars because they don't know where to put them. Um, abusers know where they work, typically where their victims work. They know where they their families are located, so you can't just, drop them off at their mom's house or drop them off at their normal, you know, haunts, they've got to go other places. So this will give them the ability to look at the app. Oh, it's like there's availability at this shelter or there's availability at this hotel and they can take them directly there. It's shortened the time that the victim is actually in their car from could be up to eight hours down to about 30 hour 30 minutes to an hour.
0: I got it. And is that something to so you work with law enforcement that or how, how is that a, uh... I guess integrated with uh, local governments. I mean, so if I'm a you know, is APD or the sheriff's department, they they're they have their access to the app, so they can just get on and, and go. Right. Right, what's this again? Yeah.
1: yeah, we've begun the, this process of doing a pilot with APD because we work very closely with victim services and the, the crisis response unit. Um, it's a group of social workers and counselors inside of APD that do all the lethality calls. So, like, if somebody gets into an automobile accident, they go out and do the the death notification. I mean, everything. There's only 13 of them. And they cover all of that for about 3,000 officers on patrol. So it's, you know, this defunding conversation concerns us, especially when we're talking about our friends and victim services, because they could potentially be showing up to a, an active crime scene if there's no officer involved. So our app is even more vital because now they don't have to meet a client at an active crime scene. They can just meet them straight at the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um we, we foresee, you know, it being a part of a lot of decoupling conversations. We've reached out to other cities that are having the, the funding conversation in other states um to talk about that because their counselors are showing up in those cities as well. So we wanna make sure that they know where the rooms are. Um they can bring their victims there, there's food, there's clothing, and then we can get to the, the business of case management and getting them into a safe place.
0: Mm-hmm. For the for folks yeah. who were some of your urgent needs, it means you're going to twenty, I mean you're say recurring needs and urgent needs as we approach the new year?
1: Um, it's always money. I mean I'm a nonprofit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean so the and the in the app is a for profit which which will help us. But right now we need money to support these rooms. The city has been very good about that and we're working really hard to um, ensure that the city starts to include us as a regular part of the budget now that the you know the the waitlist issue has been brought to the public's their eye and now that city council knows about it and the mayor knows about it um we are wanting to be a regular part of how the city diversifies how they spend domestic violence funds you can't put all your eggs in one basket because somebody sometimes comes and crushes all the eggs in the basket and then what do you do that's mm-hmm. what happened with covid we had no safety net we had no planning because. How can you plan for something you've never been through? So now it's here, we want to make sure that it's available. We're trying to extend statewide. So if I could say anything, it's advocacy for this hotel safety net. Go to your city council members, go to your mayor, go to the city manager, send an email, tell them, hey, listen, we need to continue to have this. Um, it supports three infrastructures within the city, law enforcement, law enforcement, the shelters, and the, the victims themselves. Everybody is getting what they need. Um, and it's, uh, it's not that expensive an option. The hotels have been so kind to cut their, their prices in half. It supports them and it's keeping a lot of those hotels open.
0: Mm-hmm. And so the, this initial funding for this was, was an emergency funding through CARES Act. And so you're looking at this next, this next budget cycle to be part of the official budget the first time.
1: Yes, yes, we ta- want to be a part of it.
0: We'd love to talk to you about how we can help with that, those efforts. I they'll, would love that. Those start, they'll start I mean, unofficially in March. You know, going mm-hmm. in and then we so we love to see how we can let's see how we can assist you in those efforts. So we'll we'll follow up after the show on that. And then, lastly, Courtney, where can so people go to learn more about Survive to Thrive and yeah. all, things, all the wonderful things you're doing for the community, the Tri County area or the Tri County area, the Five County area, <laughs> and where they can more importantly give
1: resources. So. They can go to um, our website, which is www.survive2thrivefoundation.org. And you you can donate there, you can volunteer there. You can also, if you're in need of services, you can email us there and we can connect you to um, the services where we can actually provide you the resources we have. Um, We ask that most people go through either the shelter and be placed on their wait list or go through law enforcement and get a referral. Um, so they can either do that, they can go to our website, they can go to our social media, it's S2T Foundation, um, pretty much I think all of the platforms, um, Twitter and Instagram, Snapchat, We're and all of that. We've got a lot of millennials that hooked us up with the social media. <laughs> Very
0: good. So
1: yeah, yeah. But I appreciate you asking.
0: Of course, no. We'll put that in our show notes too. Uh, so, Courtney, thank you for your time. Courtney Santana is the yes. CEO of Survive to Thrive Foundation, and we wish you well as this year rounds out and into 2021.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me, AJ. This is great.